BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, Incline listeners. Looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out The Incline. I'm your host, Kevin Klein. We've made it to Thursday, it's May 23rd. We're now 50 games into the season, and the Dodgers, 14 games above 500. 32 and 18 record, best in the National League. Six games ahead of the San Diego Padres in the National League West. Right now we got a 19 and 6 home record, looking pretty good. 13 and 12 on the road against 500 teams got a respectable 19 and 12 margin and we're just coming off a split with the Tampa Bay Rays it was a two game series but last night gotta say it was kind of an ugly loss Dodgers fall to the Rays 8 to 1 I mean we'll start with how this game started out it was Rich Hill on the mound, and he did pretty good. He went six innings. He allowed one run. He struck out seven. He's got a 267 ERA now on the season. He got a little testy in the first inning. You know, there was a shift on, and Troy, the batter, he did the wise thing of bunting against the shift. And Rich Hill was furious. He dropped some F-bombs, and... He was very animated, and it was quite a scene to watch. So Rich Hill wasn't thrilled about that shift. And personally, from what I see about the shifts is sometimes it really works. Other times, it's just quite unnecessary. There are certain batters where shifting on them absolutely makes sense. But I don't know if the shift was very appropriate in that situation last night. There was already two outs. Just just let the 
pitcher and batter, you know, work it out. We don't need these shifts all the time. It's a little over the top. Especially when you see sometimes there's four infielders on one side, nobody covering third at all. Sometimes you got four guys in the outfield. Just getting a little little uh over coordinated. But but anyways. So where was I? Yes, yeah, so Rich Hill, he ended up he had a good game. So we go to the seventh inning. Tampa Bay coming up, so they're at home, so it's the bottom of the seventh. It's one one. Max Muncy Max Muncy had hit his tenth home run on the season earlier that game. And Dylan Floro coming in out of the bullpen. He gets absolutely bombed. He didn't even record an out. He allowed four earned runs to score. He gave up a three-run home run to Avicel Garcia. But it gets worse. Caleb Ferguson comes in. He then gives up a three-run home run to Kevin Kiermeyer. Before you know it, the Rays have a seventh Seven run, seventh inning. Score is now eight to one in favor of Tampa Bay. Nobody's at the ballpark. I mean, the Rays, I think they're one of the few teams that are losing money. That's why you were able to hit, hear Rich Hill so well. If you were listening on the radio, on TV, you could hear those F bombs being dropped because Tampa Bay only had about. 15,000 people show up to these games, and that's higher than their average attendance because Dodger fans came to represent. But anyways, it's 8-1, to one, final score. Earlier that game, Cody Bellinger was told to go from second to home. He got thrown out at the plate. And Kevin Kiermeyer. This guy's a, a web gem highlight reel. He always seems to be on when I'm watching MLB Network. He made a 100-mile-per-hour throw from the outfield. So if he can throw 100 miles per hour, maybe he needs to pitch from time to time because, dang, that's some athleticism right there. But the Dodgers did win the first game, at least. They won that game 7-3. Clayton Kershaw... Took the mound. He ended up going six and a third innings. Unfortunately, Pedro Baez was a casualty of that game. He took a comeback line drive off the bat of Willie Sadamas. Fortunately, Baez is day-to-day and expected to miss the IL because the x-rays came back negative. So that's the good news, at least. So Kershaw... He, made, he threw eight strikeouts as well. He's, he's now got a 333 ERA on the season, but he's 4-0, which is always a good indicator of how well a guy's pitching. And I think that something like 13 consecutive regular season starts made by Kershaw where the Dodgers ended up to go on and win that game. So to me, Clayton Kershaw, he's still the ace of the Dodgers. It takes more than two good months to all of a sudden become an ace. It's a Game 7 scenario. I still want Kershaw to be our pitcher. 
So we talked about the the bullpen a moment, a moment ago, kind of falling apart. Yeah, they're kind of falling in the ranks. They're now the 21st best bullpen in baseball. They have a 4.44 ERA. And, I mean, when you think about it, Dylan Floro not having a good month. His ERA has now gone up into the low twos. At one point it was zero. And Floro's ERA, it's kind of deceiving, kind of deceiving because a lot of these runs that he's given up are inherited runners. And so when he's given up the three-run home runs, it's not counting towards his ERA. So I know Floro's also given up a few unearned runs. So don't let the numbers fool you. Floro is really struggling this month. And Scott Alexander, another guy who's struggling. At one point, he was lights out. Now he's got something like 22 relief appearances, but he's only pitched 13 innings. I know sometimes they want to use Alexander to get one out, but there are some games now where Alexander comes in to face one batter, and he's not getting the job done at all. Putting more... Pressure on the bullpen. We saw Alexander give up a home run to Freddie Freeman just a few nights ago. So Alexander, another guy who's kind of slumping. Comes in, faces the batter. He walks the guy, then they yank him. So that's why I want to talk about some relievers I'd love to see the Dodgers pick up. There's two guys in Oakland who I think would be great additions. They're Blake Trinan or, and Louis Trevino. Both of them have been phenomenal for Oakland. And then out in Chicago, the White Sox, they have a guy, Alex Colomay. He's another option who could be a great eighth inning setup man. And then out in Toronto, if you watched the World Series a couple years ago, you'll remember the name Ken Giles. He was on the Astros. He, We saw him really struggle, and they even took the way, took away the closer role from him. Well, he's now rebounded with the Blue Jays. Really good reliever. He's the closer there. I think he could be a good bargain kind of option where we don't have to give up too much, maybe a mid-tier prospect. And it also helps that he, want, he has the revenge narrative, so if the Dodgers were to face the Astros in the World Series, hopefully he's extra motivated. I think the Dodgers for sure need to acquire an elite right-handed reliever. The emphasis is on right-handed because in the past, these last few teams that have beaten the Dodgers, they're killing us with right-handed bats. George Springer, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa. Then you go to the Red Sox, they got J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, MVP Steve Pierce of that series. And then from the Cubs, we saw Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. So even though someone like Sean Doolittle seems like a good option, ultimately it might not be the most wise choice because I think the Dodgers are so heavily focused on analytics that they're going to be kind of scared to use a guy like a lefty against these big right-handed bats. That's why we got to focus on a right-handed reliever. And I don't think it's a joke. I really think the Dodgers need to target someone. If not in June, then please in July before the deadline because bullpens make the difference in the postseason. And even though Bias has been good, 
I don't know if you can count on him necessarily. And I don't want to see any more Kenley Jansen six-out saves. They just don't work. I think Julio Urias ultimately could be could be that guy for the lefties. I, I really think he has the stuff. And I know Ross Stripling is another option, but I just I don't think he can blow it past hitters. So that's why I have a lot of focus on those elite right-handed relievers I just brought up, all with ERAs below two, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean, we talked about Houston. They have the best bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball. It's a 2.74. They got a guy Ryan Presley for basically nothing and. If you look up his stats, they're just incredible. But, I mean, at least overall, the Dodgers, they have the third best team ERA in baseball, 347. Just faced the team with the best team ERA in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. They have a three ERA. So we're going to move on to the final series of this road trip. And i got to thank John for hopping on the last podcast with me. Did a really good job of breaking down the Cincinnati Reds and these Tampa Bay Rays. So that was really cool. We're, we're heading to the end of this road trip where Dodgers going to Pittsburgh, taking on the Pirates. Pirates are third in their central, and they have a 24-22 and 22 record. Saw the Pirates earlier this season. Dodgers swept them in L.A. It was a three-game sweep. And... Right now, lined up is Walker Buehler, who's 4-1 with a 383 ERA. He's got 46 strikeouts. The starter is still to be announced, but I believe it's going to be a bullpen game due to injuries. We'll see if that holds up. That's what they've been doing lately. They use this guy, either Nate Kingham or uh, another rookie, De- De- Deralt or something like that. So we'll see if that's what holds up. And then... Next game will be Hunjin Ryu, who I seem to just be talking about every podcast with how well he's been doing. I mean, he's 6-1. and one. He has a 152 ERA. He's got 59 strikeouts. I mean, he's your leading Cy Young candidate right now, and the way he's just been pitching, the scoreless inning streak, he looks to continue that. I mean, Ryu has just been on fire. So... Maybe we'll talk about Ryu on the next episode because it's getting a little repetitive with just how dominant Ryu's been. But it's really awesome to see him have such a spectacular season after all he went through with the shoulders. But anyways, he's taking on Joe Musgrove. We saw Musgrove in the first series. Dodgers ended up winning that game 3-1. to one. Musgrove's a good pitcher. He's got a 3-4 record, 367 ERA. 44 strikeouts. And then the last game in this series, Ketamayeta coming off the IL. He got that extra rest, so he's he should be ready for this game. He's 5-2, 351 ERA. 10 days rest or something like that. He's pretty fresh. Taking on Chris Archer, who's just been pretty awful for the Pirates. Archer is 1-4. He's got a 555 ERA. And a whip of 143. So in the last series, we saw Austin Meadows. He got a few hits off the Dodgers. One of the pieces in that Archer trade 
And they also gave up Tyler Glass now, who unfortunately got sent to the IL but had been dominating. Going off that alone, it looks like the Pirates might be regretting this Chris Archer trade just a bit because Chris Archer, for one, he's very overrated. And second, we look at the Pirates' offense right now. They're 28th in runs scored, 28th in home runs, middle of the pack ERA, 15th. But when you trade, when you give up a lot of assets for a, a guy who's just not that great to begin with, it's not a good look. And Archer, very overrated pitcher. I'm sorry. When you have an ERA that high in a major pitcher's ballpark like Pittsburgh, just a bad look. And there's one hitter from the Pirates that really jumps out the jumps off the page to me, and that's Josh Bell. Josh Bell is quietly having a phenomenal season, and it seems like no one is talking about Josh Bell. He's a 26-year-old. He's got 15 home runs, 45 RBIs, batting 329 with an on-base of 398. And he's already set some kind of franchise record for hitting two home runs into the river outside of Pittsburgh. It's kind of like how in San Francisco they have the Bay right outside of Oracle. Now in Pittsburgh they have a river thing as well. And, yeah, Bell's hit two home runs into it. This guy, he's a native Texan. And this past winter he spent he spent it in a Newport, Newport Beach, California. And he didn't even go to the beach once. This was all for baseball purposes. He's a switch hitter, and he didn't party. He didn't drink. He didn't go on dates. This was all for baseball. And basically, the narrative is some anonymous scout on Sports Illustrated was kind of bashing him in their preview thing. And Bell had a, he had a major sophomore slump his rookie year. He did excellent. Then his sophomore year did not do too good. So now this is his third season, and Bell felt belittled. So he spent days soul-searching. He talked to coaches. He talked to teammates. He talked to friends. And David Fries was his teammate at the time. And so David Fries, before he got traded to the Dodgers, very well respected wherever he goes. He's kind of a clubhouse veteran leader. David Bell suggested, or David Fries suggested to Josh Bell just to start over, have a complete makeover, and just work in private. And I mean, ultimately, it looks like it worked out because Josh Bell, we just saw the stats, doing amazing. So we move on to the next series. The Dodgers coming back home. They're going to take on the New York Mets. So I put I ran a poll on Twitter. We had a good amount of responses. I asked, of these four teams, which of the fan bases do you find the most annoying? And we, had, we got 76 responses or something. And the Mets finished in last. And then... The Phillies, 
The Cardinals had about 27%, but the Cubs had the most responses. Over 50% of participants found that Cubs fans are the most annoying. And though I could see that in some ways, I disagree. I thought more people were going to choose the New York Mets. And... My reasoning is, I've always found Mets fans to be pretty annoying. I know they have the whole little sister narrative where they have to watch the Yankees win so much. And while the Mets don't win at all. But whose fault is it really that the Mets act like a small market team in a big market city? And they're paying Bobby Bonilla over a million dollars a year for like a lifetime basically because of a stupid contract. When the Mets came to LA a few years ago in that division series, I just found their fans to be really loud and obnoxious. And then when that Chase Utley slide went down, they were calling Utley a dirty player. They wanted this game to be done over. They felt like they got screwed out of winning that game. It's just like, get over yourself, Mets fans. What Utley did was perfectly legal at the time. Yes, they altered the rule, but Utley, at the end of the day, made a smart baseball move, and he broke a guy's leg. Oh, well. It is what it is. It was part of the game. And you just can't argue with the Mets fan online. They always feel really insulted if you exclude them from anything. So... Just, that's just my personal problem with Mets, the fans. I don't know. I just find them really annoying, and I don't want to talk to them online unless it's going to be a mature conversation. But anyways, the Mets coming to L.A., it's a four-game series, so we're going to see the pretty much the best that the Mets have to offer. Right now, the Mets are 23-25. and 25. They're third in the East. They're 18th in runs scored, 19th in batting average, and 22nd in home runs. So they're in the bottom half of all those offensive categories. On the other hand, their pitching, especially the starting staff, it's pretty good. We're going to break that down right now. Unfortunately, I think we're going to miss Zach Wheeler because right now he's scheduled to face the Tigers the day before the Dodgers series begins. And I was really hoping we would see Zach Wheeler. So I I hope he gets bumped back, pushed back a start. Because he made three starts against the Dodgers. And he's got a a 7.88 ERA in three starts. So, yeah. Cody Bellinger, he's four for eight against Wheeler with four home runs. So it's going to be really, it would be really awesome if that happened. But I don't think it will. Instead... Dodgers are going to face the reigning Cy Young Award winner, Jacob deGrom. And deGrom, not having the same season like last year. He's got a 3-5 and five record, 372 ERA. He's now made 10 starts. He struck out 75 guys in 58 innings. And he throws five pitches. He has a fastball that can get up to 96 miles an hour. He's made eight starts against the Dodgers in the past. 0-4 with a 3.20 ERA. And 
We'll see if Clayton Kershaw ends up taking him on one-on-one. Kershaw has been announced for the Memorial Monday game. And Kershaw has dominated the Mets in the past. Right now, Kershaw, has, he's got 13 career starts against the Mets. He's 8-0, 86 innings with a 198 ERA. There's no one in that Mets lineup that's been able to touch Kershaw. And I'm sure Ryu's going to face the Mets. Rich Hill definitely face the Mets. So definitely a beatable team where the Dodgers should be able to take three or four for sure. Definitely going to face Noah Syndergaard. He's three and four on the season. He's got a 450 ERA. He's made 64 innings so far, and he's got 63 strikeouts. He's made three starts in the past against the Dodgers, 1-0 with a 165 ERA. Another guy that throws five pitches, and his fastball can reach 100 miles an hour. So, hard thrower for sure. These days, it's averaging about 98. And he throws a very hard slider as well, 92 miles an hour. Steven Matz, the lefty, 3-3 record on the season, 3.96 ERA in eight starts. He's made four starts in the past against the Dodgers as well. 2-1 record, 3.8 ERA. And then, due to injuries, the Mets have been relying more on a bullpen game for that other starter. And they're actually using former Dodgers legend Wilmer Font. Wilmer Font on the season, 1-1 with a 6.66 ERA. And, yeah, if you remember Font, he lasted about three or four weeks in the majors last season and got completely lit up. This guy keeps getting bounced from team to team. Now he's on the Mets. So I really hope the Dodgers get to face Mr. Font because it should be a slugfest in favor of the Dodgers for sure. The Mets have a really good rookie on their team. Pete Alonzo. He used to be known as Peter Alonzo. Well, he dropped the R. So now he's Pete. And definitely in the conversation of Rookie of the Year because he's got 16 home runs with a 254 batting average. And he's driven, it, driven in 36 guys. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see Robinson Cano, who was just placed on the I.L. The irony in the story for Cano was Mets fans had been really getting on Cano for not hustling get to their manager in a second. Cano is a 303 lifetime hitter. Well, he's batting 244 with the Mets. But anyways, Cano was hustling out a ground ball the other day, trying to beat out the throw, and he pulls something. So now he's going to the injured list. So after Cano getting called out for not hustling, he finally hustles, he gets hurt. Don't get to see him now. Other guys that the Mets have in that lineup are Jeff McNeil, a pretty good utility hitter, Todd Frazier, the veteran, Wilson Ramos, their catcher. He's got some power behind the plate. And the shortstop, Rosario, very speedy guy. If he gets on, he can definitely steal a bag. And also has some power. Saw him hit a grand slam a few weeks ago. 
So just a young shortstop to keep your eye out on. As far as their bullpen goes, they have a few good guys, all right-handed. Edwin Diaz, the closer, Jarius Familia, Robert Gesellman. So it's important to get some runs up on the board early because these guys can really shut them down. Um, on Twitter, I was asked by the 10th man, should the Mets replace Mickey Calloway? Or are these results what we should expect given the division they're in? And I think it's a little too early to fire Mickey Calloway. If I'm not mistaken, this is only his second season. Maybe it's his third, but the Mets, ultimately, they don't have a good offense. And I know they rely heavily upon Jonas Cespedes. And unfortunately, Cespedes continues to find ways to get hurt. He was at his ranch earlier this week. Don't know what he was doing, but apparently he broke his ankle. And wasn't baseball related, so they're paying Cespedes all this money and he just continues to get hurt. And, I mean, Cano, obviously... Not a good pickup. I think that falls on the manager, not the general manager, not the baseball manager. So I think it's more of a wait and see at this point. Maybe we get to the end of the season, we see where their overall record stands, and then we make the evaluation. But for now, it's a bit too early. But yeah, the Mets, not going to be the toughest team. The Dodgers historically have owned them in the past, and I hope we see that moving forward right now the Dodgers pretty respectable team when it comes to pitches per plate appearance they're actually in the top five they're averaging about four pitches per for batter so that's pretty good we go around the league the Nationals they have fallen to 19 and 30 you want to talk about a manager that manager that needs to go it's Davey Martinez this was a team that a lot of people including me picked to win the division and to be 19 and 30, 11 games below 500, it's unacceptable. Right now, they're 2 and 9 in starts made by Max Scherzer, who himself, he has a 341 ERA. And yeah, this is just a, they have the worst bullpen in baseball. It's nearly 7. It's just really ugly in DC. And then out in Toronto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. If that name sounds familiar, it's because his dad, Vladimir Guerrero, is a Hall of Famer. Well, Mr. Junior, he's hit his fifth home run of the season. He's starting to heat up. How about out in Houston? The Astros against the Chicago White Sox. They grounded into a triple play. It wasn't just like one of those freak catch kind of triple plays. They literally grounded from third. And then out in Baltimore, this team is just so bad. The Orioles, they set a record by allowing the fastest pace in home runs. In MLB history, they've already allowed 100 home runs, and they haven't even played 50 games yet. Gleyber Torres himself, he did something we hadn't seen in 60 years. He's had four multi-home run games against the O's. Gary Sanchez crushing this team as well. Clint Frazier, he had a two-home run game. Um, Gary Sanchez, he has 15 home runs on the season. Yankees, they're in first place now. Baltimore, on the other hand, lousy team. Just getting crushed. Can't wait for the Dodgers to play them later this year. And then a rare thing happened out in Anaheim. They actually had a rainout. You don't see that every day. So the Angels had to postpone their game due to the field conditions. And, yeah, just 
weird things happening this baseball season. Anyways, thank you for checking out The Incline. I'm your host, Kevin Klein. You can follow me on Twitter at Klein25. Go Dodgers. Plan to talk some more Mets on the next podcast, as well as the Philadelphia Phillies who are coming into town. All right, thank you. Klein out. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.